Happy Wednesday. Happy Perpetual Wednesday. Every day feels like Wednesday right now. Uh, but just in case you didn't know what day it was, uh, we're right in the middle of the week, whatever that means right now. I've got a fun show today. I'm doing some draft winners and losers because what would a show be without that segment? We're also going to talk about which teams have the best shot at performing at a high level uh, in this weird situation that we're all in. Also, uh, I'm going to talk to Terry Bradshaw, uh, interesting guy. He's going to talk to me about uh, the quarterbacks and uh, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, drafted players, uh, Tom Brady, that sort of thing. Just touch base with my guy here. And then we'll get a mailbag. So uh, appreciate those questions. I'll try to rattle a few off. continuing to listen to Greenlight Pod. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Long. Got a fun, fun uh, Wednesday pod. If you're not tired of the draft, we're going to talk about the draft. We're going to drag this sucker out till September. We don't have anything else right now, guys. Okay, just bear with us. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk about this, this, this draft for a long time. Today, I'm going to talk about winners and losers coming out of the draft. Uh, I am also going to talk a little bit about um, the execution of the season, how it goes down, if it goes down. Uh, and we're going to get Terry Bradshaw on. Uh, obviously, the guy that works with my dad, the ball guy, funny guy, the guy who won like uh, how many, five or six Super Bowls with Pittsburgh uh, and is a Hall of Famer. And he has uh, usually some pretty good insight on quarterbacks, um, and he doesn't hold back. And there's a lot of quarterback-centric conversation going on right now with Jameis. Um, you know, with Tom moving, with uh, Aaron Rodgers this weekend, with Carson. I mean, and there were one of the biggest storylines in the first round was the quarterbacks, as usual. So we will talk to Terry, and then we'll get a mailbag. So uh, appreciate those questions. I'll try to rattle a few off. Um, I guess first and foremost, as we frame this draft and talk about winners and losers coming out of the draft, uh, before we even get to that, we got to talk about the season because. It's going to be interesting as we, we frame talking about these rookies. You should do it the entire time you're reading about, you know, free agent acquisitions or first round pick or a new coach. Do it within the context that we're living in, which is that this issue in society, sports is not immune to. Everything's on hold. Um, this is not, you know, the lockout in 2010 when I played. That was the closest thing I, I, I saw to a short runway situation as a player. That, By that, I mean having less time to get ready for the season. We had an abbreviated camp. We got rolling. Things eventually got normal. Um, but you also, and we did have some semblance of an offseason as a team, but even the time we missed, you can go to a gym. You can work out with your friends. You can go to a field and work. When you're locked out of an NFL locker room or um, an NFL facility, doesn't mean you can't get better at your job. Right now, it is very restrictive for these players uh, to get better at their jobs. And that that's from the physical to the mental. Um, so everything we talk about should be framed in that context. And I'm not doing that to be alarmist. Uh, number one, the reality is there ain't going to be a lot of a s normal semblance of a summer. We don't know if there's going to be uh, a training camp as we know it, a preseason as we know it. The NFL has floated very recently 
an alternate scheduling uh, deal where you're, you're starting later in the fall, you're losing the Pro Bowl, uh, Super Bowl could be as late as February 28th. Um, and by the way, that Super Bowl that's presumably not going to have fans at it, if, if we are where, where we think we're going to be, um, you know, this season is probably not going to be looking the same as far as fans in the stands. You could extrapolate the Super Bowl is not going to look much different. Um, how fucking weird is that going to be? It's supposed to be in Tampa right now. Let's not have a quiet Super Bowl uh, in front of a fiberglass pirate ship. Let's do what was intended in this situation. This is an opportunity to move the Super Bowl to a fantasy location. Let's not do Raymond James Stadium. Tampa, you'll understand. Listen, there's not, not going to be a lot of people traveling in to the Super Bowl. I think this is, this is the weirdest thing that people haven't thought about. You know, the season, no fans in the stands during the season, how that plays out, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> but the Super Bowl is uh, naturally the destination. And if you think that before there's a vaccine that's widely um, distributed, that you're going to be able to pack a big stadium full of people, I just don't see it right now. And that's going to be the most surreal scene. That's going to be hard to say, okay, this is your normal Super Bowl. I think you'll be able to um, get used to seeing regular season games without fans. The adjustment's going to be playoff games, a Super Bowl. That's going to be weird. Let's get it out of Tampa. There's not going to be people coming to Tampa to do these big corporate parties, ESPN parties. There's not going to be like Radio Row and media days as we know it. I don't think. You know, I can't imagine. So where do you want to take it? Let's take it to the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. I hear it doesn't have any plans that day. The fucking sunset's going to be gorgeous. February 28th, if it's pushed that late, if it's February 5th, I don't care. If there's no fans in the stands, I don't want to see it at Raymond James Stadium. Before this, I always fantasized about the Rose Bowl hosting a Super Bowl. Well, now you can do it. Because you don't have to worry about luxury boxes. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Um, although knowing the NFL, even if there's no fans in the stands, they'll probably sell some semblance of a luxury package and just have people with masks up there eating caviar and shit. Um, yeah, no, nah, I move that thing to the Rose Bowl or St. Paddy's Day, do it in like Dublin, Ireland. Be crazy. Uh, just on like some field with six inch grass bunch of clovers coming out like little league quality field ireland st patty's day 2021 um where were we yeah we're talking about the alternate schedule we're talking about these circumstances these players are getting ready for the season and teams are going to be in a weird situation um even if we get there and we'll get to that in a second there's going to be a learning curve for older players you know we're going to talk about gronk and tom in tampa bay you know, familiar faces, weird place. Philip Rivers, Indy. You know, older QBs, experience, but how's that going to work? Uh, all these situations. But let's talk about, you know, if you pulled it off, there were no fans in the stands. Operationally, how do you do that? First off, okay, what happens when you lose your franchise quarterback before a big game and he has to quarantine for two weeks and then anybody who comes in contact with him <clears throat> this is assuming we have the testing, um, you know, has to wait until the test is completed. Um, you know, what if it spreads through a locker room? Are you going to forfeit games? Are guys going to be able to take the field uh, 
testing positive for coronavirus? Like, no, they're not. So if there's as much as a small outbreak, relatively speaking, in a 53-man roster, it's going to affect the way um, you know games are played. Gambling, you make a lot of money off gambling. There's going to be some gun-shy motherfuckers unless you do something to fix the thing. Um, not fix it. <laughs> Don't fix it. Unless you do something to fix the problem, which is that you could be losing any week a major, major player uh, in the game due to COVID. Uh, let's talk about the safety of players, which is first and foremost. We all know that. What are you going to do, quarantine them? You're really going to be able to quarantine the players? Okay, where? All over the country? Are guys going to travel? Are people going to be getting in planes every week? Flight attendants, you know, airline workers, um, pilots? Are, is, are they going to be getting in a metal tube together? Um, and and are, are they going to be heading to a different road game every other week? Or are teams going to cluster and play in one place? Like I heard somebody with a theory that teams will get together in Dallas or outside Dallas and just use all those swanky high school football fields and facilities to set up shop for the year. Okay, well then, even if we were able to quarantine all players and they all took it seriously and were careful when they go to the grocery store or fly in their massage therapists or their acupuncture people because guys survive on outside help too, um, what's going to happen with the families? Not everybody's single. Not everybody's willing to do this. Um, you know, what about the guys who aren't getting, you know, I, I don't know. What about the guys with big families that have to uproot their families, bring them somewhere else, or if they don't, quarantine their families? Um, what about your wife has to go to the, the store and get something? Do you have to report that to the team? Like, the, I don't know where it's going to be. It's just a bizarre situation. Um, you know, kids in school, is school going to be back at that point? I have no idea. Uh, th there are going to be some tough, tough decisions um, that, that the NFL are is going to have to make. Um, and it's not going to be as simple as, oh, we're just going to quarantine the players. So if they get there, here are the teams I think will actually do better than they would in a vacuum. Um, I think that, you know, teams with the most continuity will be better than you would expect them to be. Like New England in a normal year this year, I think they go 4-12. and 12. Just, unless their quarterback situation is much better than I think it'll be. Um, they might be relatively competitive because of the continuity factor, um, because they have a program, because they have the best coach. Um, he's going to be able to coach them into situations that they wouldn't otherwise be in because the deficit in preparation is going to be higher. Other coaches, now this is unprecedented for everybody, are not going to be able to hit the curveball as well as Bill, Bill Belichick. What they do up there, they're adaptable. Um, every week is a new opponent. Things change. They have the Patriot way, but they're ready for everything, ready for anything. And nobody's ready for this, but Bill will be more ready than other coaches. Now, on the flip side of things, you know, Tom leaves New England and he joins this team that's looking like a super team, depending on what you think you're going to get out of Tom. Now, Tom's older and maybe we have to be um, – Obviously, the expectations here are not get out ahead of ourselves, but um, he's in a new situation, new coaches. Um, that's why he was at uh, Leftwich's house to get the playbook. Um, and by the way, he knocked on the wrong door uh, and almost got in trouble. And it's funny, I was joking with Priscilla the other day on the pod. It's kind of fucked up. Priscilla got really dragged for that. I don't think people all know the, the real story there. Um, 
Ryan's key worked on a door that wasn't his at a hotel that he had just checked into like that night as, as, as a side note. Um, but Gronk and, and, and Tom, how do you get on the same page with your new wide receivers? You do FaceTime, Zoom, all that stuff isn't necessarily going to cut it. You need camp time. You need time on the field. Okay, I'm familiar with Gronk. Maybe I'm forcing the ball to Gronk. Like, you think Zach Ertz caught a lot of balls? Again, Tom Brady is going to throw Gronk the ball a lot. What are the expectations on teams uh, where there's a lot of turnover, like Tampa's offense? Um, you know, Indy, that could be different. It could be different because, and this is not taking any, anything away from Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, uh, I think anybody would take that pairing uh, over Reich and, and Rivers because of mainly Tom Brady's GOAT status. But Reich and, and Rivers worked together in L.A., or San Diego, rather, uh, before. So they're reuniting. Uh, there could be more continuity value there. Baltimore, weird situation. Had a bad taste in their mouth from that, uh, that playoff flop. Usually, it's like a game week. You want to move on to the next week. You want to get going again. They haven't had an opportunity to do that. They're sitting around, um, and sometimes that can make you get cold. You don't want to be too cold after after a, a win. You don't want to be too cold after a loss either, and this is a long offseason. By the time they take the field, if it's late, Baltimore could feel like uh, they've been sitting around with a bad taste in their mouth far too long, and that could be good or bad. I have no idea. Cleveland, if anybody – would be begging for a season to start in October. They'd be the ones. There is a lot of new stuff going on there with Stefanski. It is a big year uh, for Baker and company. They would actually probably be okay with the season being pu- pushed back as far as possible. Um, and, and, and Pittsburgh, I mean, Big Ben, where is he at physically? Uh, he needs time on the field. Time on the field is what's going to tell him where his arm is. Um, and we'll see. But I think that you know, outside of Kansas City, and certainly I want to put Baltimore in that group, Pittsburgh is going to be damn good next year. If that defense plays the same way and Ben's healthy, they're going to be pretty good. So, you know, each team has, you know, different obstacles coming into the season, and some of them are magnified by the fact that you don't have time to get together as a team right now. And a lot of these teams are newly assembled projects. So, yeah, we talk about the Chargers, who probably are going to be more I'm, – I'm fucking around, but I'm kind of serious – teams that are used to – not playing in front of that many people at home, they're not going to lose as much cumulative production as a team like New Orleans or Seattle. Um, you know, those teams perform definitely better at home. They have great uh, crowd noise, you know, uh, atmosphere. Teams like Seattle, they call it the 12th man for a reason. Now you're going to take that out of the equation. Like that amounts to something. You can't act like it matters when when they're there and like it doesn't when they're not there. It's going to be a real thing. And I know that a football purist or some hard ass might be listening and saying, well, it doesn't fucking matter. It definitely matters. It also matters to defensive linemen, people that play in places where they get the benefit of the silent count and that sort of thing. And teams who have offensive lines that have to go on the road in division to really tough places to play. Uh, are going to have happier offensive linemen because they're not going to have to be protecting under the gun like they usually would on silent count. Um, you know, and rushers are going to feel that too. So conversely, good good um, counterexamples here, Chargers uh, and Seahawks, um, two teams that are going to be affected by the possibility of no fans in the stands. And listen, a lot of this centers around that we've talked about uh, prepping for the season. Obviously, rookies have a challenge. Obviously, new coaches, new 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 players, new quarterbacks, that sort of thing. 
Um, obviously, there are going to be uh, hurdles with, with, with quarantining people, testing, um, unforeseen hurdles. Uh, we don't know where we'll be. Um, so it's really hard to say. But I do think that it's going to be a big time struggle if they get it in at all. The Super Bowl will be a whole other thing. Let's get that bad boy to the Rose Bowl, please. That's all I ask. Um, while we're here, let's do uh, the winners and losers from this weekend because, as I said, we're gonna we're gonna drag this draft out. Listen, I had some fun with this. I, I didn't I didn't dig too deep, but uh, I had some fun with it. Um, you know, obviously the the biggest. And when I say loser, I hate this because God forbid somebody pulled out one clip of this and shared it. If I'm like the biggest loser is Aaron Rodgers, like then everybody's like, oh, Chris Long thinks Aaron Rodgers is a loser. Quite the contrary. I think he's a winner, and that's why he deserved better. He didn't deserve a lack of weapons. He didn't deserve to be lied to at 36 years old. He didn't deserve to have false expectations about what you were doing in the draft. He didn't deserve the embarrassment of that weekend. And although, like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers should feel very secure in who he is. We get that. Um, it was fucked up, you know, and he didn't deserve to deal with that on the same weekend. McCarthy went and got the Dallas Cowboys loaded with playmakers, added CD lamb to a uh, stable of receivers that include Gallup and Cooper. Um, and he's watching that. This is a guy that's thrown one touchdown pass to first round picks his entire career. It's insane. Peyton Manning, I saw the stat today, it was up near 200. Uh, A-Rod, as I call him, yes, A-Rod, has not just had a lack of weapons, but the knife was twisted on a night where his old coach went and got more in Dallas. And he was evidently lied to. Um, look around the division. Here's something that people aren't even paying attention to. When you frame this Jordan Love thing, um, which by, who, by the way, you traded up to get, uh, look around the division. What did the bears do? They stole a corner with first round talent in the second. What did the lions do at three? Okuda, another corner. What did the Vikings do? Well, they drafted a corner from TCU who they really liked. So that whole division Got better on the outside. Green Bay did nothing to get better on the outside. If Devontae gets hurt, it's curtains for that receiving core. Okay. Aaron's the most well-documented loser of the weekend. Uh, now, there's two ways you can look at this next one. George Kittle. George Kittle is not a loser, but his job got a little tougher if Isaiah Simmons is who we say he is. He is going to be matched up on George Kittle twice a year. Now, I don't know, and that goes for the other tight ends in the NFC West. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know if Isaiah Simmons is actually as good as they say he's going to be. I think he is. Um, I think I'm worried that they're going to just play him one place in Arizona. I'd like to see him play him all over the place. That's what makes him good. They'll figure it out in time. But, you know, that could be bad news for Isaiah Simmons, that he did get drafted in that division with George Kittle, or it could be bad news for George Kittle, or maybe it's bad news for both. Um, but that's going to be fun twice a year, presumably. Um, 
Seahawks analytics fans, if you're a Seahawks fan, there's like a 78% chance that you're a fucking analytics person. That's some analytics for you. Um, and you know what? I'm not here to show on analytics. I think tape and analytics go hand in hand. We use analytics a lot in framing uh, real arguments on this uh, pod. But I know that forward thinking, you know, space age football people do not like some of the things Pete Carroll does, which is very ironic. If you're a Seahawks fan, you're probably an analytics person. Um, and you feel like a lot of the stuff that he does is dated. Um, on defense, some people were scratching their heads when he drafted a, another backer uh, in the first round. I thought it was, uh, was a solid value. Uh, but the reality is you have Bobby Wagner, you have um, KJ Wright, and now you have a rookie. And uh, you've got to play a lot of three linebacker sets this year, which shouldn't be an issue for him because he likes doing that a lot anyways, which I know you hate if you're a Seahawks fan and you are analytical and forward thinking and you're like, get with the fucking times, the trends, you know, playing three linebackers most of the game is not a trend uh, that I think Pete's getting from the rest of the league. So Seahawks fans, I'm sorry. Late round picks. Um, Jeff Schwartz said something about this today, and I thought it was really uh, on point. Late round picks are going to have less time to uh, develop in camp. They're going to less less reps, um, which means they're going to be behind the eight ball even more. With what little time we have uh, relative to a normal training camp workload, late round guys, their opportunities are going to suffer. Uh, big time guys get the reps, and it's hard enough being a late round guy. In, um, in a normal circumstance, although there's less pressure on you from an outside standpoint, uh, internally, you're not getting those same opportunities and you'll get even less now. And that sucks. Joe Burrow, definitely not a loser. Can't be a loser if you pick first. I'm not trying to do that thing. I'm just kind of trying to make a point and bring something up through the use of this segment, quite honestly. And that is that it's really interesting to me that Joe Burrow, as a rookie, uh, is going to have to resurrect Cincinnati in a division um, where defenses are good and getting better, um, you know, not just Cleveland, who's got its share of playmakers, including Miles Garrett, um, but Steelers last year were nasty on defense, um, and the Ravens have just continued to, uh, to invest in their defense that I thought got a lot out of a group that didn't have a ton of heralded, heralded guys last year. They added Calais Campbell. They drafted two linebackers, including Queen, who some people are saying. And you got to be careful when you hear somebody say some people are saying, because that just means you just listen to other people. And on this one, I am. Some people are saying that Queen is the best value uh, of the first round. And, you know, last year, the Ravens, they had some weaknesses in the run game. You know, um, teeth of defense, the edge a little bit. They have invested in that. It's only going to get better. Uh, and Joe Burrow ends up in that division. And Joe Burrow, had Washington been number one, and let's assume they would have taken him because I would have if I were Washington. Um, you know, had they snagged Joe Burrow or Joe Burrow ends up in Washington, imagine the difference in, you know, the steepness of that hill that he has to climb. Uh, NFC East, Eagles defense, Cowboys defense, Giants defense. A little different than the AFC North. Um, no disrespect to any of those defenses, but the AFC North is going to be a motherfucker, and we will find out just how good Joe Burrow is early. 
I'm not saying if he fails, he's no good. But we know if he succeeds on any front this year, he's got to be pretty good. That's going to be a tough hill to climb. Um, I mentioned this early, Marlon Mack. Is he a loser in this whole thing? Uh, obviously, the, uh, the Colts take a back that they couldn't pass up. And Taylor from Wisconsin, uh, big bruising back, and a guy that could challenge Marlon Mack for carries. Not only that, but he, he, he gives them more insurance as Marlon Mack enters a contract year. I mean, if they don't have him, maybe, um, you know, Mac can hold their feet to the fire a little bit more in that contract uh, situation. And now you might have some leverage where you say, hey, yeah, we'll let you walk. Um, we'll see also how good the kid is, you know. And I think they'll figure out pretty quickly what they have in their rookie, and then they, they can act accordingly. Um, so Marlon Mack just lost a little bit of leverage. Uh, in, in, in his situation because of the pickup that they had in Indy. Uh, Dez, Dez Bryant. I've been watching for the Dez comeback. I like Dez. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's been, been thinking Dallas might be an option, storybook, that sort of thing. Hope he's healthy. I really do hope to see him on the field again, but it ain't going to be Dallas now. C.D. Lamb, uh, who fell to the Cowboys inexplicably, um, but that probably means that Dez is not going to have his shot at being back in Dallas. Okay, I mentioned this earlier. AFC Northbacks, losers. Patrick Queen, um, you know, the other additions to defense in Baltimore, it's going to be really tough uh, sledding in the AFC North to run the football. Um, oh, the Eagles PR guy, whoever it is now. Um, shout out to Zach. He got up out of there. Um, now your job got interesting in the first couple days. Like whoever they hired just started on the job to take Zach's spot. Um, you know, talking to the media, dealing with the media, briefing Howie. Uh, and they got a, a whole team there. Whole team, great team. Love everybody in that office. But their jobs got a lot tougher because Howie uh, did the splash move and snagged Jalen Hurts. And <clears throat> that's just not going to last this weekend. Every time Carson has a subpar game this season, there's going to be all types of ridiculous shit thrown at Carson, the coaches, the players on the team. There will be weird stuff, uh, even at the slightest hint of controversy, which I don't think there should be. Play it out on the field. And uh, Carson's the franchise quarterback, uh, but the Eagles PR people, they're going to be working overtime. Uh, Giants, the back end, the defensive backs, man, they're like, who is speeding up this clock for us? We can't cover all day. You know, draft goes by. I understand why they had to take Andrew Thomas. I understand why they grabbed the safety. Um, but, and I know I mentioned build from the back end up. But they're not, they're not a, a group with a lot of help up front uh, in New York. Let's talk about the winners. Um, the winners, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Two championship teams, bounces from one to another. Um, you know, he's going to be Andy Reid's Westbrook. And um, that's got to be pretty cool. This guy is living a charmed life. Uh, he is living right. You go from LSU to Kansas City. Wow, pretty cool. And not that the Lions would have necessarily taken him, 
but that was the next next team. You know, if you get picked at the end of the first round, you are just as lucky as the guy who went number one overall because you have an opportunity without that financial payoff, but you're going to have an opportunity to get that second contract and be looked favorably upon because you end up on the best team in the league. And if you slip one or two more spots, you could be in hell. And not only does Clyde Edwards-Hilaire avoid that fate, he avoids going to Detroit. If Detroit were to take him, I don't know if he would have fit the scheme there. They probably wouldn't have put as much of a premium on somebody like Clyde, but you get the idea. Um, or you could have ended up in some team that's in dire need of help where you get to go to Kansas City and you are part of um, a strong, strong team of weaponry and skill guys. I think it's going to be a great move for him. T. Higgins, you've got Joe Burrow as you know a young running mate here uh, for Higgins. Two guys coming in together. It's pretty cool. You're one and you're two. They could be a part of something special for a decade, or maybe it doesn't work out. But Higgins is also going to get to learn from A.J. Green. And there are similarities. And, and uh, this isn't like going somewhere and uh, learning from a guy who probably has no, no um, crossover in his physical skill set. Um, this is a guy who can probably tell you about being a bigger target in the league. Uh, you know, not a possession guy necessarily, but um, a guy that is going to play physical and go up and battle for the football. Uh, he's going to be able to talk to T. Higgins. Cole Kmet. I'm going to struggle with that name all year long. I don't know how to pause between my K and my M. The Notre Dame tight end. That's essentially from Chicago. If he's not from Chicago, he's from fucking close to Chicago. It's basically Chicago. Listen, Chicago, great sports city, loves the Bears, um, loves dudes that look like Cole Kmet. And are from Chicago. And uh, it's not going to matter how many balls he catches. I think they're going to like him there. C.D. Lamb's a winner. We mentioned it earlier. Gallup, Cooper, etc. cetera. Um, and how about Dallas's D coordinator, Mike Nolan? Anai, Gallimore. Um, you, you, you bring guys in. You get a corner. I think they got a corner. You bring in uh, Poe, Smith, McCoy in free agency. Gerald McCoy, quietly. You know, I did not know, uh, you know, when I figured that out, he had been signed there for like a week. Um, that happened very quietly. Um, understandably, sports isn't the biggest news on TV right now. But that's a pretty good player that they acquired. Definitely older. Um, and some of these names are making you wonder if it's 2014 or whatever. Um, but they got Poe. They got Alden Smith. And they invested in defense and draft. I know that on the surface, early, you might have wanted them to, to address the D-line, the pass rush situation right off the bat. Uh, but they got best available. And when you talk to people who make decisions like that, um, that's the bold move. That's the right move, especially where there's a big value like that. So the Cowboys are winners in a lot of ways right now um, with some of the stuff they got done this weekend. Uh, and, and not only is CD a winner, uh, but, but Mike Nolan is as well. Fitzy, Fitz Magic, he's a winner. What a great setup for him down in Miami. Uh, to be a backup and a bridge guy. He's going to be more of a bridge guy than a backup guy. But eventually, if he stays there, um, you know, maybe he uh, he continues to teach to a, into his 40s. Um, and he's one of the best. He's one of the best teammates from, from everything I've heard. He's one of the best guys to be around. 
and watching him beat New England last year, although I played for New England, I have a lot of friends there and I pulled for them. Uh, it was also a very special moment to see. Uh, <coughs> it was also a very special moment to see uh, Fitzpatrick get that win. Uh, the contrast to that situation, Tua walking into Miami um, and Jordan Love walking into Green Bay, how rare is it that the fifth pick in the draft walks into a situation with less controversy and dysfunction than the 25th or 26th pick in the draft. I mean, that is wild to me. And would you rather be Tua walking in to a situation where you're not threatening Fitzpatrick at all, you're also going to sit back and learn, um, and it's a fresh start? Or would you rather be Jordan Love walking in the locker room in Green Bay, um, also very polar opposite cities and uh, climates, Nothing against Green Bay or Appleton or any of those places, but it's fucking cold. It ain't South Beach. Um, and you're Jordan Love and you're walking in and trying to tap Aaron Rodgers on the shoulder and say, hey, can you help me out with this? Kate, can, can I ask you a question? Like, you think Jordan Love's going to be asking a lot of questions in, in meetings? <laughs> Man, I almost feel bad for him. Um, and I feel bad for Aaron. Just a crazy situation. Kirk Cousins, he's a winner. All the, the gains they made offensively through the draft, you know, addition by subtraction if, you, if you're Kirk Cousins because you know Diggs didn't want to play with you. I think Diggs is a great player. I'm excited to see what he does in Buffalo. But he didn't want to be there. They got picks for him. They get Jefferson miraculously to fall to them. I mean, that was their guy, evidently. They were all about it. And when, when the Eagles turned that pick in, they supposedly turned that, uh, that, that next pick in so quickly um, that you didn't know what hit you. So um, the Vikings definitely won the weekend. They, they were up there with some of the best teams in the league from a draft standpoint. And their biggest division rival uh, fumbles, and that was the Green Bay Packers. You know, again, Green Bay, time will tell if that's the right pick. But in the immediacy, there's no doubt in my mind, unless you think Jordan Love is going to help this year, uh, <clears throat> and that you're going to be more of a smash mouth team and that you got a, a use check type fullback uh, in the draft, that that was a good draft for you. Like this year, it's not necessarily a good draft for you. Maybe down the line, two years from now, Aaron falls off a cliff physically or doesn't want to do it anymore or his play declines and Jordan Love is terrific. They're going to look back at that pick and say, great. But this year, it's not the best draft for them. I, there's just no way. That, um, that I see that shaking out and being like, hey, they won that draft. So Minnesota is a winner in that sense. Um, Juju. Juju gets to go back to slot. Claypool um, is going to move him inside, and uh, Juju's going to do what he does. And he's a winner coming out of this weekend. Uh, let's say Sam Darnold's a winner, invested in him the right way with Becton. Um, and Joe, Joe Douglas, Great, great uh, reviews up in New York in his first draft there. Joe staying the course, you know, could could have done like some splashy things, could have built a different way, but you kind of see what page he's on. We need a tackle. We're going to help our quarterback that way. Um, nice job there. It was a good pick. Um, and they also, I, I got to mention again, got good value with Bryce Hall, in my opinion, UVA's finest, uh, later in the draft. He slipped due to injuries. So I thought, I thought you know, with Mims as well, uh, Joe had a very good early draft and some good, good pickups late. The, the safety from, from Cal that they snagged, um, 
supposedly was like a second round talent. Uh, so that was also good for them. SEC players and, uh, and Buckeyes. We mentioned this in the pod the other day. I think it was 40 SEC players and 10 Buckeyes taken in like the first three rounds or something. Um, something like that. Insane stat uh, in a year where you couldn't grade film and evaluate players. You couldn't evaluate players, I should say, with the depth that you would uh, normally because of COVID. So those established programs really, really won. Um, there were a lot more winners and losers through the weekend. Um, again, I do want to say that the guys that I really like defensively uh, that, that might be real steals, um, Willie Gay Jr. Uh, in Kansas City, the backer there. I think Josh Uche was a good pick by the Patriots. Lots of pressures. Um, I think he's going to fit well in New England. Let me not forget Daryl Lewis. Daryl Lewis uh, is the, the edge guy. That was at Tennessee and uh, Seattle snagged him. I think it was in the third round. I think he's going to be a great value from guys you talk to. Uh, he's going to play a long time. <clears throat> he's twitchy. He's built like a defensive end. He is not built like an outside backer. The way I look at him, uh, I think he's going to be um, very good for them. And, and then, you know, offensively, there were two receivers that stuck out to me. Gandy Golden, um, I think he ended up in Washington. Liberty kid. The kid's a stud. Um, and, and then uh, Brian Edwards, uh, I think that's that's a kid's name out of South Carolina, who uh, ended up what he had in Vegas uh, with the Raiders. He was like their third wide receiver out of three picked. And this kid is fucking good. I don't know what it is about him. I just think he's going to be pretty good. Uh, look for those guys. And uh, the only time you'll remember this segment is if one of those players ends up being good. We'll cut it out nice and neat. And then we will shove it down your throat on social. And I will try to seem like Mel Kuyper because I watched 30 minutes of tape on five guys. So, um, yeah, those are the guys I think are going to be pretty good. So let's get Terry on the phone. Uh, let's get a little perspective from a, a Hall of Famer. You know, we got a couple. We've had a couple Hall of Famers on here lately. It's uh, been good. We had, uh, we had Munoz um, the other day on the live watch. That was cool. Talk about the 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 Bengals. Uh, we've also now in a week had two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, um, Phil Sims and uh, Terry Bradshaw. So I, I'm really interested to hear what Terry has to say about the Aaron Rodgers situation and uh, how he would handle it as a player. I'm sure his answer, answer is going to be pretty uh, insightful and different. Uh, and he does not hold back on quarterbacks. So this will be a good time to get him on. Let's get Terry on the line. I'm really excited to have um... – somebody who I consider an uncle. He calls me a nephew, uh, multiple, multiple times, Super Bowl champion, Hall of Famer, NFL, Fox Sunday, uh, glue guy is what I call you, Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> what do you say, Chris? Nephew Long? What's, How you doing, What's up, man? How are you? Uh, just, I'm good. I actually, um, for the first time in probably – Three weeks, I, I got into the house after I worked out, and I just sat out here and worked at the computer for a while and decided that's it. I'm not going anywhere. There is, I'm not going outside anymore. I think I'm going to get in my recliner and put on a movie. Kind of lazy today. But you you haven't been bored, though, because uh, you put out a little music, from what I understand. You've probably been hanging out, you know, doing all types of stuff on the ranch. You've got a nice little setup out there. Tell me about the music coming out. Okay, so I'm sitting in here talking to uh, um, 
Buddy Martin, a great journalist, a really, really great journalist. And I've known him for over 30 years, and we're talking football. And Tammy, um, from the kitchen, you know, I can see from the office to the kitchen, and she hollers, you know, Terry, I said, what? She said, I'm going quarantine crazy. I went, oh, my God, that's a country song. So I said, buddy, I'll call you back. So I hung the phone up, and I got my pen and paper out, and I started writing down quarantine crazy. Okay, so I, I outlined how the song should be. And so I go into Tammy, and I say, here's how this song should go. Here's a guy that never spends time with his family. He's always got an excuse. He's working hard to provide them a better life than what he grew up having. And then he has to have Saturday and Sunday out to play golf uh, because he's got to come off that. You got to get rid get rid of the, of the stress. But he promises them when the fall comes around, he'll get they'll get their, they'll get his attention. And the kids don't know him, but when the fall comes around, he loves football. He loves to go deer hunting, so he's always gone. He's never home, and now he's quarantined, and he's forced. <laughs> You know, to be home. And that's how the, the, that's how the song. I told my wife, you know, to be patient with me. I'll find some time to spend with you. You'll see. <laughs> to be hey. with you in these bundles of joy. And that's, and that, and Aaron with the song. So I called a buddy of mine in Nashville who's had 20 number one country hits. The name is Jimmy Urie. And you may remember this song, Chris. Uh, I drive your truck. And mm-hmm. he wrote that song. And so um, I called Jimmy. I said, here's this. I got a song idea. He said, let me have it. And I gave it to him. I said, here's how this goes. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, that's fat. He said, I got it. I get it. I get it. Two days later, he calls me back. And there's the song. And so I, I, I uh, listened to him play it over the uh, phone. And then uh, he put it on the tape. He put it on tape, sent it to me on my, on my phone. And I said, <clears throat> I wouldn't change anything. The words are perfect. He said, you don't change anything. I said, not a thing. And that's what we did. The song turned out great. You've heard, have you heard it? I heard a little bit of it. Great. The funny, uh, the fun, yeah. yeah. When you put it in the group text, I listened to a little bit of it and Waylon was actually in the background and seemed to like it too. So I think it was a hit <laughs> oh, well, in yeah. the long household. Now it was fun for a week. I'll admit it. But my cabin fever's about to reach its limit. Going quarantine crazy. I'm talking straight jacket lately. And that's one more song than my dad's put out in quarantine. <laughs> He's not doing much of anything. In fact, it seems like you're less bored than uh, than everybody else. If you had to be holed up with one of the guys on the show, who right. would be the most the best option to to be holed up in an apartment? That you can't have a ranch, Terry. It's got to be like a normal house. Yeah, that's pretty easy. I'm going to be uh, Howie uh, by far uh, is. Um, we're kind of, as, as your dad said, we're attached at the hip. Now we're yep. we're all yep. in water, but for some reason we connect. And uh, <laughs> your dad, uh, your dad is. Uh, I always accuse him of being boring. I remember staring at him on the set one day, and he read, he felt my vibes, and he looked up at me on the Fox pregame show. He was writing notes. <laughs> is that? Is that, I can what? hear. I can. What do you hey, want? Terry, <laughs> I can. I can hear him now saying. What the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> and then I said, you can't help it, can you? He said, help what? 
And I said, you're just boring. You're just boring. He just just looked at me and he didn't know what to say. And then for the rest of the show, he was trying to be funny. Then he said, hey, you know, I'm just boring. (laughs) It would would definitely be your dad. Uh, We have a lot. Uh, we have a lot in common. We support one another, and I think that's critical. We we really are really dear dear friends. Uh, even though we are, I I'm I'm outside horses and fishing, and your dad dad's into cherry picking and his grandkids and his kids, and that's great. Uh, the second guy after that um, probably would be um, probably Kurt. Um, Kurt, for a yeah. similar reason, I get along. Yeah, yeah, I get along with Kurt, um, and Kurt's uh, easy to get along with, and uh, he doesn't have any quirks. Um, then after that, it would be um, probably Jimmy Johnson. You don't actually. get Jimmy's boat. You don't get. You don't get his place in the keys. No, no, no. I think he, I think he, I think I drive him crazy because I talk too much. I do know I'd make him laugh because he laughs a lot when he's with me. Um, <laughs> so then it's, uh, then Michael, I, Michael is, Michael and I would have nothing in common. Absolutely nothing <laughs> other than we both are trying to brand ourselves and get rich. He's doing a lot better job of it than I am. He's doing um, pretty good at getting get, rich, could, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. So it would be Michael, and then the last guy, I swear, I would just take a cyanide pill if I had the room with Glazer. <laughs> I'd, I'd look for some way to take myself out. The first day. <laughs> He's just, <laughs> oh. You're fir- you wouldn't no, even last a day. You wouldn't even last a day. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Nothing in common. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Not nothing well, at all. No, I know you guys are like brothers. That's the one thing about it is I know, I know. you guys. If God forbid the the season got pushed back, I mean we'd all be missing sports. But I think on another level for you guys working together, you're like a team up there. So they do all those group texting. There's always something that, and normally the group texting starts with Kurt or it starts with Strahan, or Jimmy starts something. They all get involved in it, and it may go for days. Your father's one of the worst. One of the worst. Matter of fact, your dad, his texts are funny. He actually has a personality when he texts. It's just <laughs> when he's on air and he has his glasses on, that's he then it's a different it's different Howie. It's Howie mode now. You know, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> I always say to your dad, don't cross that line, Jack. I'm no easy way. I mean you can come over here, but you're gonna hurt. I'm not I'm gonna I'm not gonna be easy. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. I got I got you lasting at least a few rounds. So, um, oh, yeah. we're, we we've all been bo- we've been we've been bored. We've been holed up. We finally got the draft this weekend. You know, right. a little bit of sports, something to look at. And I thought it was entertaining. I thought the league did a good job of actually pulling it off. Were you able to watch a lot of it? Right. I watched the uh, first round. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then I, the, the, the next six rounds, you know, I just got them on the computer, but I did watch, I'm really interested in the first round and, uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I, I, I like you and probably the other 10 million people that watched it enjoyed the fact that we were seeing football players and it gave us the impression that football's in the air, you know, with the draft. And now we go, we don't have the OTAs now. 
now it's virtual workouts and and on and on and on. And when are they going to get to training camp? And when's the season yeah. going to start? And it are you know questions are the state is the stadium going to be empty? You know what's going to happen? We're going to have football. I, I'm I'm a hundred percent convinced of that. It's just going to be different, I think, than what we're used to for sure. Well, I saw I saw they came out with something uh, about a contingency plan with a pushback date and possibly doing away with the Pro Bowl and and uh, pushing the Super Bowl back to late February, which I could see happening. And obviously, in all right. these options, you know, you have to be cognizant of the fact that there might not be fans in the stands. OK, so with all this, you have, you know, a, a late start. You have, um, you know, rookies not being at OTAs, mini camps shorter time period in camp for players that need development. Which of these rookie quarterbacks do you see being the best out of the gate? Uh, I like the kid in Miami, too, going down to the Viola. I, the, him going to Miami was was uh, smart on Miami's point. I, that's exactly where he should have gone. Uh, I would have put him ahead of the other guy from um, Oregon. So, yes, uh, Herbert going to Chargers. But I would say yeah. – I would say – Two is, is the guy I think is going to be ahead. Uh, I think the other guys are going to fall in line. I like the kid from Oregon a lot. Hey, Chris, it's so hard. It's so hard to say, boy, this one, this one's going to be a great one, and this is going to be a great one, so on and so forth. The guy that's going up to Cincinnati, um, Burrow, is really special. He he would be a Manning and I think probably a, a Brady. He I think he's that kind of player. Um, but you notice he played in a system where five people were out all the time or four people were out all the time and that's the offense and he flourished in it. So they'll build that around him. The kid in Oregon was restricted with their offense and he's got a gun for an arm man. he's a big athletic kid, Herbert, um, Tua before he got hurt, um, just a beautiful player. Now people say, and, and listen, I understand this talk, but don't ever tell me, don't ever grade a player a quarterback especially, and say he's he's a failure if you don't give him time to throw and you don't give him people that have talent that can catch it uh, or, or run with it. You've got to put people around him. So Tua, when he has people around him, we saw he's just a dynamic player. And he'll learn. He'll learn how to get out. He'll learn when you get out of that pocket how to tuck and roll and how to protect yourself. He'll learn all of that. So mm-hmm. I'm not worried about him. I like him a lot. The kid in Cincinnati, I think, is a given. And then Tua and then Herbert. And then the kid that went to Green Bay, I don't know anything about him. I did say yeah. this after looking at his highlight film. I turned to a buddy of mine. I said, kid reminds me a lot of Mahomes. But, right. uh, you know, right. I, I just yeah, don't I mean, know that much about it. I don't, yeah, speaking of uh, Jordan Love and speaking of a place where uh, you right. talked about uh, Tua having people to throw to, well, there's a guy in Green Bay who's got nobody to throw to outside of one number one right. receiver who, God forbid, he got hurt. You'd have the worst receiving core in the league. And you have a second uh, you know, quarterback that you traded up to get as a rookie uh, breathing down your neck right. now. They draft a running back, a 250-pound back, and a tight end fullback <laughs> hybrid in the third. You got to be – if you're Aaron Rodgers, you have to be absolutely confused right now. If you're Aaron Rodgers – You've got a right to one out. What do you think his move's going to be? I don't. Well, he's already made. He, he's already said this year that he wants to finish his career uh, in Green Bay. So I tip my hat to him for that. Doesn't want to go anywhere. 
Um, I don't, I, for the life of me, and Chris, you're spot on. Why Green Bay did not draft wide receivers. If you look at what Oakland did, they went out and went speed, speed, speed. They got weapons. Um, then you look at Green Bay, they didn't need a tight end. Tight end they got is, you know, is a nice tight end, but come on. I mean, yeah, he's, they need another receiver. They need two more speed receivers. They need a slot receiver. They need a split in. Um, they need to find a tight ends important if you want to if you if you look at tight end as as part of your game. But I think what they want to do there is primarily run the football and do play action off of that. So therefore, I understand now why they would get a tight end. But to not get another receiver, just one. Now doesn't mean they can't sign free agents. And free agents can be found to be really good players. Some great players are free have come out as free agents. But I. I for you, I, I agree with you. Not to get any weapons for him uh, is crazy. Then to draft a quarterback um, is crazier. I understand drafting the quarterback, but now you got to deal with Aaron and his psyche because we he has this um, he has this aura about him that that leads you to think that uh, he's you know he's the kind of guy you kind of got to cater to. You got to baby him. You got to. You got to love on him. Then. For Jordan Love, that's a tough situation to walk into as a rookie. I mean, he's yeah. got to be excited. He got drafted in the first round, but now he's saying, you know, what the fuck? My first day of work, I got to go <laughs> ask Aaron Rodgers if he could watch film with me after practice. You think he's going to do that? No, no. Yeah, exactly. No, I, so no, that, yeah. no, not at all. I wouldn't. Now he shouldn't be threatened by by this kid. I mean, we no. drafted Mark Malone number in the first round, and I was in Pittsburgh. Well, I understood wow. why they drafted him. You know, it didn't bother me a bit. I liked Mark. The minute he got there, uh, he was hard worker. Uh, I used to stay after practice and catch balls for him and help him with his release and stuff. I, I enjoyed that. I found that to be invigorating, but I didn't feel threatened by him because I knew I was good. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Why, yeah. Why, 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 why would Aaron be worried about this other guy, you know? I feel like it's the principle for him, he I, I think he he knows how good he is, but I, I think maybe the principle of on the same day where Mike McCarthy drafts a, a, a receiver in the first round down in Dallas to pair with Cooper and Gallup, and they're saying, you know, this right. is a guy that I sat up here with in Green Bay for years, and I said, you know, get me some weapons. Aaron's only thrown to one a touchdown to one first rounder his whole career. That's crazy. So I get why he's mad, but to your uh. point, you got to know that you're one of the best. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think he probably knows that. I think he probably, one way or another, the best comes out in him this year, whether it's competition or not. When they drafted Malone with you back in the day, uh, first yeah. off, what year was that? And did right. did was it a big deal like it was, you know, obviously now oh, everything's wow. a bigger deal because of the news cycle. But was it a big deal in Pittsburgh? Did people speculate why? Uh, I don't think so. I didn't live in Pittsburgh, so I don't know. In the draft, I was, I was in uh, Louisiana on my ranch there, but I, I don't, I don't know. But it didn't bother me. Nobody called me and said, "Hey, are you okay with us drafting a quarterback in the first round?" Well, yeah, right. I'm fine with it. Yeah, it wouldn't bother me at all. Um, mm-hmm. And I became good friends with him. Even, uh, even uh, Joe Gillum, um, when he took my job. He was, I enjoyed him. I enjoyed him a lot. He was a good friend of mine. I, I, I have this thing about, I just find it uh, interesting when they talk about Aaron Rodgers 
Aaron Rodgers is almost kind of like a, a a short guy, very sensitive about his height. He's six two, um, and so he's not a prototypical, you know, what they want. They're six four, you know, like uh, this Claypool guy, the wide receivers that the Steelers drafted. He's six four, two thirty eight. I mean, that's, yeah. that's that's quarterback size, and yeah. so he's sensitive about his height, and he's sensitive about this and that, and um, you can't you can't uh, be like that. So I. <laughs> I am curious as anyone to see how it plays out, Chris. Uh, yeah. But to not just to put it to bed, to get him no weapons is just an insult. That's that's stupidity yeah. right there. Yeah. I mean, that's I, I hate to use that word, but that's just stupidity. Yeah, that's what it feels like. And I, I don't think they were that. I mean, I I know they were a game away, but to me, thirteen and three, they weren't as good as you know another team that could no. be thirteen and three. I thought they had a lot of flaws last year. But they are close, and I can understand why you might think one receiver might put you over the edge. I think they need to fix the defensive front. Okay, how about a guy who's getting probably everything he wants and has input in the drafting process, the free agency process, process down <laughs> well, in Tampa? Let me guess. You mean the not the original TV, but the second TV? The second TV. Talk to me about how you think it's going to work <laughs> down there, because as great as he is, Terry, I mean, you know, with no offseason – New new players, new coaches. I know Bruce is a hell right. of a coach, but you know it's it's going to be an interesting adjustment period. It's not like he has years to figure that out down there. Well, at forty three, uh, they've taken good care of him in New England with the uh, three wide, the slot, the slot receivers, and when they had Hernandez and uh, Gronk there, they they featured and split them both out. Those two big studs. And they do the crossing route, reading zones, hooks up, man, man, shakes and go, and seam routes with the back. I mean, they did a beautiful job of getting the ball out of Tom's hand. And, I mean, it's, he has as good a technique. He and Drew Brees, I believe, has as good a technique in passing the football as any two players in the NFL, simply because they know that their left foot and their shoulders and their elbows all have to be in sync be accurate and they're both just phenomenal at that so it'll be interesting now you just listen we've always heard about these dream teams and putting all these players together and great things are going to happen i think i think great things are going to happen uh i'm a little bit skeptical because as you said no otas they they may only have a couple weeks of practice before they start no maybe no no preseason games i don't know i don't know any of that. He's got to get used to those guys. Um, and and we'll see how that offensive line uh, holds it up. Jameis held the ball longer. They threw the ball further down the field with Jameis. He was a more, he was, Jameis was a 10, 15, 20 yards guy. And whereas I think Tom is a little bit shorter routes than that catch and run. So it'll be interesting. And I'm sure that their offense is going to be set up to um, complement what he does best. Like Peyton, remember when Peyton went to Denver, they took the, the cold offense with him to Denver. And yes, that's what that you got to do, yeah. 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 So I think they'll do the same thing. And they've got weapons in, in Tampa Bay, man. they got a lot of yeah. offensive weapons. And they've made a good draft. Uh, they got a good lineman down there to protect him. So I think it's a good move by Tampa Bay. bringing in Gronk. Listen, I've been with Gronk for a year. He's skinny. I mean, he's got to put yeah. on 40 pounds. What was it like having him on the set? <laughs> I, oh, man, he is. I'm telling you, he is. Uh, 
a 29-year-old kid. He is so full of energy. He's so yeah. naive. He's so he's so kind. Uh, yeah, I want to say sweet, but he's such a gentle, <laughs> gentle spirit, man. He yeah. really is. He's just wild and crazy. And he loved being with me because he thinks I'm wild and crazy. That we, he and I got along fa- famously. And uh, we yeah. even did that. We, we co-hosted the USO banquet in um, Washington, D.C. That's the last time I saw him. And I even told him then, I said, man, you, how much weight have you lost? And he, he's lost like 35 pounds. I'll tell you yeah. a, a real quick story. So I'm over there. I'm over there rehearsing uh, the song I'm going to sing at the USO. So I'm out with the band and so I'm rehearsing. So Grant comes in and goes, Hey man, I didn't know you could sing. I said, yeah, I'm singing this song. He says, wow. Can I sing that song with you? And I said, uh, well, are you, are you, I'm going to say no. I mean, <laughs> I said, well, sure. You can sing it with me. I said, here. So I said, so it, I, it's the song was God bless America. I mean, yeah. you know, so I said, here, it's God bless America. So I, we, we start singing and I'm saying, God bless America. Here's what he said. God bless America. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. Then I'm going, oh, please, Jesus. Don't. <laughs> Is he kidding with me? And then don't thing, fuck like, oh, up. God, God bless he, America he, on the he, USO he, tour. I man. know, man. Hey, Chris, Chris, he is tone deaf. And so in comes the head of USO. Uh, she walks over and she says, what are you doing? I said, well, I, I mean, uh, Gronk wants to sing God Bless America with me. She says, really? Can you sing? He says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can sing. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. TV and I are going to sing this song. Yeah. She says, okay, let me let me hear some of that. Oh, boy. <laughs> so that man starts up and he starts and he is. Oh, man. I mean, oh, please, God. <laughs> Get me out of this. I don't want any part of this. And so Did she, she let him? She waves her hand. Stop, stop. No, listen. She goes, stop, stop, stop. You are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are terrible. You are not singing. He says, no. I, I, said, I, said, I said, here's what we'll do. We'll have everybody stand up and sing it with us. And that way they won't be able to hear him. All right? So. She says, okay, all right, that, that may work. So at the end of the function, I said, everybody, please rise, please. And uh, joining me, we sing God Bless America. Grant, so Grant comes up there. He's got a microphone. So we God Bless America. And everybody's singing. And you can't hear Grant. And then we get to the very, we get to the very lady. Go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> no. I just, I just stopped and I just died laughing. He was so this, proud of himself. Oh Lord! This dude, hey, if you oh, put him on a funny. stage, if you put him on a stage, he's just he's he's at home. Oh uh, man, he so, he just lights up. I mean, yeah. he just lights up. He's great for television. I'm so I I told him this, Chris. I said you go back to you go back to football. All that you've done to build your brand goes to a halt because you're riding off of a Super Bowl wave. You're getting all this and doing all these things. You've signed with Fox. Now you leave for a year, two years. Someone else is going to have that spot. And uh, right. he said he knew that. Yeah, he loved what he was doing. I, I don't think he was going to play football again. I think Tom got a hold of him and 
Say, come on, man, come join me. Let's let's pair up here. Can you blame him? No, you know, be, he, he, I, he probably wondered for years what it was like to play somewhere where he wasn't in full pads every day, staying at the facility until right. 10 p.m. So we'll see. You mentioned Jameis. Before I let you go, yeah. I want to hit. I want to hit Jameis. I mean, he um, he's he's a guy who takes chances. I mean, definitely bad decision making at times. Can that be coached out of a player when he gets to New Orleans? I think it's a perfect place for him if if he does sign there after four p.m. You know, he's got a chance to sit behind one of the greats. He's got a chance to learn from Sean Payton. Can he unlearn those habits that he's built up? Yeah, yeah, he can. Listen, Chris. He, he threw 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Of the 30 interceptions, six were tipped and dropped by his own receivers and caught. So let's say those hit the ground. So now he's got 30 and 24. That's, look, I feel a lot of interceptions. I mean, hell, it's easy. <laughs> it's yeah. not hard yeah. to do. But yeah. I didn't have a quarterback coach and I didn't have an offensive coordinator. And I was a chance taker, and I would prefer throwing the football down the field. wasn't that I couldn't read coverages, because to me, I thought I was a really excellent coverage read. It's just that I, you know, quite honestly, uh, when you're throwing the ball deep, you're not going to be as accurate as, as you are throwing five-yard crossing that. But you can. And I've said this. Ask your dad how many times I've said, I would love to coach Jameis Winston. I like him. I love, I like it. I do like his aggressive style. He's got poise. He's athletic. He's extremely intelligent, smart as I'll get out. And I can, I can take him and I can condense his reads and make it safer for him. You shouldn't throw a lot of interceptions if you're looking deep. If you're throwing, if you're looking at the 15 and on down, you shouldn't throw a lot of interceptions. The reason you do is you pass up on the short. You know, right. the short guys, right. the linebackers, they're, you're holding, holding, you're looking for the, and they read and they drift and they drift and drift. And then they, your eyes take those guys right into the play and they make the interception. So you, sh- but you should not throw interceptions, throwing the ball deep. And unfortunately for him, he does. And you can coach it out of him uh, without him losing his confidence. Uh, I'm sure he's lost some confidence now having been released by Tampa Bay, but you're right. Going to Sean Payton, uh, Learning under Drew Brees, watching Drew Brees uh, is going to be a great thing. And you know what else, Chris? It, it gives him a chance. Just take a breath. Yeah, right? take a breath. Take Reset. A breath. Yeah, a lot of press. He may have been pressing. He knows his contract was up. And maybe he pressed and wanted to prove that he was deserving of the big contract. You can't play like that. So it's a learning curve for him. It's a learning experience. And I think going to New Orleans, as you said, you hit it right on the head. Perfect place for him. Yeah, and uh, you know, in a year, he'll have a chance to, as as you put it, reset yeah. and take a breath and see where he wants to spend right. the second half of his career because he's still very young. And I know there's one place that might need a quarterback in the next year or two. I don't know how long Big Ben's going to last up there in Pittsburgh. You know, know, hopefully his body his yeah. body stays together. But there's going to be a few places like that that he could be a you know a, a succession guy that comes in after a long time uh, quarterback. I thought. You know, maybe Bill would take a stab yeah. at him, but talk to me about Pittsburgh. I don't now think. That they, I don't. Well, quickly on Bill, I don't think I'd have been good fit. Uh, I'll take Brady spoiled Bill. Brady went in on Monday mornings, already going over the, already going over the tapes of the teams they're playing, and Bill had to be a, Bill had to be ahead of time. I was that was a two 
two guys, two A personalities right there, Jack. I think Winston would have gone in there. I don't think the turning the ball would not have been something that Bill would have put up with. And I think that yeah. the coach at Tampa Bay is not near as good a quarterback coach and offensive guy as a guy in New Orleans. So right. that's a good right. place. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, didn't have a number one pick, went with a wide receiver out of Notre Dame in the second round, a big kid, Claypool, I believe is his name. Uh, so they did a good job of getting some uh, weapons, you know, for uh, Big Ben. Matter of fact, their last three years, they've drafted a wide receiver in the second round all three years. So they have put together an offensive uh, package there. And if Ben is healthy and that ligament in his uh, elbow is okay, they're going to they're gonna have some weapons because this guy they drafted, big sucker. I mean, he's big, 6'4", yeah. 238, runs like a 4'3", four, 4'. Four. I mean, this guy can fly, man. Sounds so, like you, TB. No, oh, yeah, man, I can fly. So they did a good job. They got a running back thing out of Maryland that they really, really like. Then they got a, a rusher out of, I believe, Charlotte, up around your area that they yep. really like. But prime, but they, but the big thing they went after was the wide receiver, and uh, well, they did need I think a, They do need another running back. And I think that, I don't know. I don't know anything about this guy from Maryland. I saw him play this year a little bit, and I, I can't stand Maryland, but I got to compliment the guy. He's a good player, and also you got James <laughs> Conner. Yeah, you got James. You got James Conner coming up on the last year of his deal, and obviously he runs very hard. So it's nice to have another back back there. But I think the Claypool thing's nice because now you move Schuster uh, Smith back in the slot. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, I think they're going to be loaded next year. Why? I mean, why not next year for them? Because yeah. you've got that defense that was so dominant last right. year. And then hopefully Big Ben comes back healthy. Do you see them returning to form or is it going to take some God, time? You know, I thought that. I didn't know what his injury was. I thought he had the Tommy Brown injury, the ultralateral ligament. Uh, yeah. They tell me it's the ligament on the outside of the forearm. And so, you know, you put your hand over there and feel it. So yep. he's coming back. He'll be healthy. Um, I'd like to know how he hurt it. That's, I saw him when he threw it. I just wonder how in the world he hurt that thing. But if Ben's healthy, he's 100%. Um, no, they're going to be good. Don't forget, even before he got hurt last year, this offense wasn't playing well at all. Not at all. Because when you lose Antonio Brown and when you lose Bell at running back and you lose your starting tight end, uh, you're not going to be as good offensively. And uh, right, but with Ben right. back with Smith Schuster, hey, I'm so glad to hear you screwed that name up. Did you know you screwed it up? Schuster, that's Schuster Smith, Smith, Smith Schuster. Schuster. You, you do that on the. You do that on the show. <laughs> Oh, my God. I do. Well, I asked you that. I know when I messed up because why? Because they all pointed out. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, dude, Terry, <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I, I watch the show. Yeah. You're, a vic- you're a victim on yeah. there. Everybody's, on, everybody's out to get you, Terry. That's, I'm just telling you. I know. I'm, and, and America loves me because they know that I'm picked on by the bullies. You know? Yes. And, yes. And, that and bully. my only defense, Chris, is just to tell them, let's get the uh, Super Bowl rings out and let's roll them on the table, boys. And I got a feeling I'm gonna make a whole lot more noise than you guys. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of clanging when you drop them on there. But yeah, that big that big square jaw, Buzz Lightyear looking bully Howie Long. He just he just he won't yeah. leave you alone. He won't get his shoulder fixed either. I'm not telling you. Such a wolf. Can I can get his? Yeah, fixed is he afraid to get his shoulder fixed? Yeah. Is that what you think? It's fear. He's afraid. Yeah. He, oh, he's hey. 
he's what does he wear now? A forty jacket? He's a tiny guy. <laughs> I mean, I just sometimes just want to go and slap him, knock him down, bully him, yeah, just put my good. foot on his chest. That's what I'm yeah, talking about. Hey, I, can't I love. His, I can't even put his shirts on, man. You're talking. You're talking. You, you're I'm talking. Powerful. You're talking shit. I love it because it's the quarantine, and he, you know he can't get yeah. to you, and you can't get to him. So we'll have to pick. <laughs> hey, we'll have to pick it up in the fall. You know. Oh yeah, not a problem. He ain't gonna do anything to me. I mean, I'll own everything he's got if he puts a hand on me. <laughs> I love lawsuit. Yes, yes. Just yes. please don't touch. Jeez, Terry, don't touch my assets. Okay, just leave those. Yeah. Uh, Terry yeah. Bradshaw, really, oh, really, really appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, really hey, insightful anytime. stuff on the quarterbacks. And- it gives me a chance to talk football because on the pregame show, you know, I'm just a funny guy. I don't know anything. But I get to <laughs> I get to talk some ball with you. So let's make this a regular menu, okay, nephew? You you got it, Unc. We have uh, – this is a real smart guy segment. Those guys on Fox wouldn't get yeah. it. So, right. all right, we'll talk well, to you yeah, soon, buddy. Yeah, no. Okay, but I love you, buddy. Take care. Thanks love for having you, me on, Chris. Thanks for coming on. Okay, bye-bye. Tell Tammy hi. See you. Bye-bye. So that was uh, Terry Bradshaw, and he is just as interesting and, and, and funnier in, in person, uh, really energetic. I figure he, he's probably bouncing off the walls uh, out there at his ranch, but he's got a lot of room, room to roam. Uh, so appreciate Terry coming on. Let's get the mailbag real quick before we get out of here. Uh, Carlos at Carlos 904 Duval says, would you be better in your dad's era? or Would he be better in yours? I, you know, I'm going to get crushed for saying this, but I think I would be better in his era. Um, and that's no disrespect to his, his era, but I'm just saying that positionally, um, one of us would have to lose weight. One of us would have to gain weight or stay about the same. Me and my dad kind of played different positions. I mean, obviously, he's a Hall of Famer and all that stuff, but he was more of an inside rusher um, than an edge rusher. And, you know, nowadays, he might be a little undersized to be an inside rusher. Back in that day, if I'd have stayed in my St. Louis playing weight early, 275 or so, um, maybe a little bit north of that, I could have put on a little bit more weight. Maybe I could have held up at left end. Sports Bros uh, asks, highest you've ever been or first time your dad ever caught you drinking or smoking? Uh, my mom caught me too now, and that, was, that wasn't good either. Um, sure, that was scary, but my mom, my mom could, could intimidate as well. Um, highest I've ever been, probably watching Tropic Thunder, like the first year it came out at the house. And I was hanging out with some buddies and I just got too, 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 too high. Ended up calling a friend, a couple of vets on the team. They drove me around for like an hour till I was good. We just drove around in circles. I can't name the vets, uh, but one of the guys let me come to their house and just sit by the pool and chill out. I was not, you know, I went from, it was one of those things where I'm watching Tropic Thunder. I'm laughing at Robert Downey Jr. On the inhale of my laugh, I'm like, oh. I'm too high. I can't breathe. Uh, and I had to, uh, I had to take a walk. That was, uh, that was probably the worst one. And then in high school, I got caught drinking, um, one time pretty red handed. 
and I got grounded for like four to six months. I say four to six months because I think the sentence was initially six and I got paroled. Um, but it was a dead serious thing. Um, definitely not something I wanted to get caught doing again. Joe Mendez, uh, what's your favorite fan base in all of sports? I guess if I don't include, um, if I don't include the NFL, it's hard for me. And I'm not going to talk about different NFL fan bases because people are going to say I'm biased towards places I've played or whatever. Um, I've really enjoyed LSU people when I've met them at bowl games and stuff. I mean, they have a strong fan base. Uh, very interesting, interesting people. And I've seen a few LS, LSU games, national championships, Sugar Bowl, that type of thing. And they're fun to drink with. Uh, favorite current country artist for you not named Sturgill, Stapleton, or Church? Well, current um you're not going to find a lot in by current like dudes under 30 or, or under 40 years old or whatever like you're not going to find a lot uh for me in that way tyler childers i guess um would be probably in that conversation that would be just about it for me liberal pappy asks i know of your grateful dead undergarments for super bowls just wondering who turned turned you on to them level of interest and have you seen them or version of them live uh i'm not as into them as some people might think like i had a lucky t-shirt i do like the dead i'm one of those people that as i've said on the show before i think it's possible to like the dead and not be a deadhead although a lot of people would make you feel like that's impossible i was just joking with big cat and Rosillo about this you know, in our little group text, uh, anytime the dead come up, I'm just like the poser kid. Like, I don't even, I'm afraid to get in the conversation. You got to have a song with the dead that if a real deadhead like corners you in a back alley and he's about to pass you a joint or something, and he's like, well, what's your favorite, favorite dead song live? Or I don't even know how they'd say that um, in dead circles, but you just got to have one song. And for me, it's uh, Dark Star, Bickershaw. If you got that, if they ask me about a second, um, you know, I guess I'll say morning dew. Uh, I don't even remember where that one is. I would say, so there you go. I mean, I had to get on my Spotify to see, to see where this song was performed. Um, you know what? I, I, I guess, uh, live at, uh, Nassau Coliseum. Uh, I've got a few songs from that one. Eyes of the world, morning dew. Um, you know, if, if you ask me to, to keep going, eventually I'm going to run out of, you know, live shows to point to, I'm not a real deadhead, you know, I'm not a poser because I don't pose. Um, but I'm not a real deadhead. Um, okay. Mars, Mars, pal asks most overhyped sports movie of all time. Remember the Titans, it's obviously remember the Titans. I know a lot of you guys will get mad at me, but I think it's one of the corniest fucking movies of all time, and it sucks. Um, saddest sports movie death. Probably when one of the Waynes brothers dies in Six Man. And then when his ghost had to leave for good, that was even sadder. Because, I, you know, the dude in, in the movie died because he went up for a dunk, and I guess just either his heart stopped or he fell funny. I don't remember, but I just remember being a kid and being like, this is a fucking heavy movie. Now, if I probably watched it now, I would laugh my ass off. Um, but yeah, 
to death in uh, in Six Man. Would you rather have onion breath or Cheeto fingers? This is from Kyle Campbell. This is a diabolical question. Um, I would lean to saying Cheeto hands and wear gloves, but that's no way to live. If I can find a girl, um, you know, unfortunately my wife right now, uh, she has, you know, her sense of smell. But if I could find a girl in that situation that didn't have a sense of smell, just get married, uh, move out in the country, you can still live your life. You don't have to feel like, you know, everything you do, you're going to leave a, a trail of orange dust on it. I mean, talk about incriminating. Everywhere you go, there's orange dust in the fridge. There's orange dust on your laptop. There's orange dust. Um, I, you're at prom. You've got orange dust all over your date's prom dress. It's disgusting. Going for your first first kiss, you just... You touch her face and there's just Cheetos on her face. Yeah, it's got it. You got to go onion breath and you, you got to settle down with a girl that does not have a sense of smell. Finally, one or two more. John Newman, uh, football question running around football Twitter at the start of last year, pass rush or pass coverage. What's the best way to build a defense? I say pass coverage. Look no further than New England. Um, look no further than New England. It works hand in hand. Um, but the way New England has built things from the top down, um, that, that sustained itself through most of last year. Now, I, I also think that they were a bit overhyped because of early competition, the way it drove their stats up. But um, I still think they were really good defense, and it, they had really nothing from a pass rush standpoint. They were still picking up good numbers up front in, in, you know, when it came to sacks because the, the fractions of time are so long uh, on that defense. Who was your favorite player to go against in the trenches? I just think back to my days in the NFC uh, West, uh, you know, battles with Anthony Davis or Breno Giacomini, like these tough guy guys that um, you could get after all game long, and it was a battle, and we kind of hated each other. But I definitely respected, you know, that opportunity because when i look back in my career i look back at those days the fondest um you know when the, the nfc west was really really physical and chippy and uh we just didn't fucking like each other and i liked that that was cool so we'll be back friday um with more green light pod really appreciate you guys the questions are great uh appreciate you keeping on listening um we uh we're having fun with it as much fun as we can and uh, we will keep churning out the pods. So thanks a lot, and see you Friday. Take care.